Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step All righty, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Um, we are coming to you live today with a bunch of coaching news that has come out the last couple of days. We got here uh, Sports Illustrated's gambling columnist, a.k.a. Gatto, and Keyshawn Butte's FanDuel accountant, a.k.a. Q, and I am Tom is Butte. You might hear the FBI breaking down my door. Um, just ignore it. It's not serious until they pepper spray you. That's my <laughs> understanding. That's what COPS has taught me. So, fellas, how we well, doing? We had a little bit of a hiatus there. We had that update show, but how y'all doing? Fucking dandy, man. How are you? We're living, homie. You're one of two. You're a fan of an organization that is one of two teams that doesn't have a coach at this time. So you're very much in limbo. Yeah, but we got a GM, though. Which I feel good. So <clears throat> to jump right into it, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the head coaching vacancies in the NFL. Um, so far, the hirings go... Falcons have hired Raheem Morris as of today. Yeah. Chargers hired Jim Harbaugh as of yesterday. Panthers hired Dave Canales as of today, this morning. Yeah. Um, Titans, Brian Callahan, who fucking knows? No one cares. <laughs> um, Raiders kept Antonio Pierce, which is fantastic. So the only two coaching vacancies right now are the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Commandos. Yeah. And, um, I guess we can dive right into Washington. Well, All in the- I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask you guys. I wanted to do like a best hire so far, worst hire so far, and a meh hire. I'll, I'll I'll get us started. I don't think there has been a better hire than Jim Harbaugh. I yeah, it's it's so obvious, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, that was, you know, that was an easy answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I don't. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's going to work out. Like I have no clue. He's he's a bit of a like a you know he's a bit of a crazy guy, and I I can't tell you that it's going to like fix everything that's going on with the Chargers. Uh, but it's it's a move that they 110 percent had to make because I I never understood the Brandon Staley hire. They were talking to Dable. It looked like they were going to hire him. They didn't, and you've wasted a couple years of prime Justin Herbert and his team's getting old Keenan Allen Khalil Mack all these guys are starting to get older so your window is starting to kind of evaporate so um it, it's clearly the move they had to make I think is like buy Justin Herbert stock now and uh, apparently they're talking to Brandon Brown the Giants assistant GM for the GM opening would be uh, I hate to lose him but you know it'd be a home run hire I think 
that seems like I was watching Pat McAfee's show and uh, Adam Schefter was on today and he said that's pretty much going to be the direction that they go in. So, by I mean, stock. I mean, I, I, I think that Harbaugh of all of these guys that have been hired is one, the most qualified, two, has a winning percentage, which is insane compared to the other guys that have been coaches in the past, which is only one with Raheem Morris. And ultimately, like, that team needed somebody with a little bit more energy and a little bit more gusto than Brandon Staley and a guy who could really unlock Justin Herbert. I I will say that I don't think Justin Herbert has hit his potential yet because I think that potential was very much handicapped by just that approach for that whole team. And I could also see them letting go some of those guys too. I know that they're in a little bit of cap hell right now, but – I expect I mean, Austin Eckler is going to be gone. Um, Khalil Mack, I'm not sure. I, mean, I just don't know. He's been productive, too, so it's hard. Yeah, but he's expensive, though, and I wouldn't be shocked expensive. if he goes back to L.A. or uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me either. So, I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of a – I feel like that's kind of that was kind of like an easy one for us. So, like, what was the worst one so far? Gato, you go first. Uh, you know <laughs> – uh, it, it's probably like Brian Callahan. It's it's like Mike Vrabel light. I mean, I just don't see how much better of a situation they're getting out of that. I guess the the idea is that look what he did with the Bengals and their offense and everything. But like, I don't know. I, I the part of me just thinks like it, they got lucky <laughs> and he was in the right place at the right time. Like it just. Uh, it, I don't know. Uh, I actually, I think that's the obvious one, right? But like, it, it maybe too obvious. <laughs> well, I, I I really don't understand it because the Bengals' offense, which is obviously like kind of top heavy with Chase and Higgins and Burrow and you know Joe Mixon and all these guys. I mean, like it's I would superstar say, Latin. And yeah, I would say what is like I, I when we were watching games, a lot of times I feel like. A common thing we would say to each other watching the Bengals were like, if only their fucking play calling was a little better <laughs> because like yeah. you could unlock these fucking absolute superstars that you got on this team. But like the fucking play calling is just so atrocious sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, now, I'm curious too. Well, before you go any further, I'm yeah, curious yeah. too. How does Brian Callahan not take any responsibility for that offensive line? Just not fucking blocking anybody. Like the reason why your star quarterback wasn't in and Jake Browning was able to look so good was because your offensive line was ass for years. <clears throat> Not to mention that the year that he went to they went to the Super Bowl, he was like one of the most sack quarterback in the league. He just yep. was performing miracles all day. Scheme harder, man. I I am gonna deviate though because <laughs> I, I've seen in the past that sometimes like head coaching is not just about play calling, right? Sometimes it's about personality because it's about people you hire. So maybe Brian Callahan ends up being a great head coach better than a coordinator. Some people are better as head coaches and coordinators. I think I'm going to go with Raheem Morris only because of the fact that I think it's about context, right? Because it's not Raheem Morris himself, although, I mean, his years, he, 2009, 2010, and 2011, right, with the Tampa Bay Bucks as the head coach, 3-13, and 10-6, and 4-12. and 12. He was the interim coach with the Atlanta in 2020, and he went 4-7. and seven. 
So not a really good track record other than that one season um, with the uh, with with uh, with Tampa. And by the way, ten and six, they went they were third in the NFC South that year. So rough year to go ten and six and be third. But I think the context of it is that they were the one, they were the only other team that was really in the long run talking to Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. And then there was the Belichick thing that apparently Belichick was considering going to Atlanta because he wanted the project. And then you end up hiring Rahim Morris. It just feels like a kind of a letdown comparably. And also, I really wanted them to get an offensive mind in there because, you know, you have these young guys like Kyle Pitts and, and Bijan Robinson and, and potentially moving up for a quarterback. Um, mm-hmm which is in the cards for them. I've, I felt like they wanted to like, capitalize on that, but it just it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Yeah. Gato, were you going to say something? It's just wild to me that you even have Bill Belichick show up twice if you're going to make that decision, right? Like, yeah. What's the point of taking that second meeting? Like, it almost feels like you had to have this in mind because clearly his resume is not going to be the same. I mean, are you trying to be thrifty are you budgeting i don't feel like that's uh what's the owner there's name again arthur blank yeah arthur i don't feel like that's arthur blank style necessarily so what 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 was it what happened here i, I think mean, i to that point gato i think it begs the question how do you go from having an interview with jim harbaugh who just won a national championship and was a very very good coach in college and in the pros one of the only really really good guys that can do it and then you also have Belichick come in for two meetings, but you ultimately settle on a guy who has a 21 and 38 record as a head coach was not terribly impressive when he was the interim there and also doesn't have a great track record. Like, I guess he like, yeah, he was with the Rams. That's great and all. And their defense was pretty good, but like, he took over I feel like there were, a, yeah, I feel like there were, bunch of other names out there of guys that probably deserved a shot more than him last year they D'Amico Ryan's got the job right because that San Francisco 49ers defense was like suffocating yeah was the Rams defense like better than average sure would were they like amazing no but I but I do like Raheem Morris as a coach I'm just saying that it just like in context to everything it just seems like a huge huge letdown the, the only thing the only thing I could think is that they went like the the brass in Atlanta went into those meetings and you know Harborough Be- Belichick they sit down and they're like yeah I'm I'm that guy I can do this right and that wasn't what they were interested in hearing and Raheem Morris sat down and he's like these were my plans like right off the bat and maybe that was the only differentiator is that in that interview itself, he was the only one that might have come in and just said, this this is what I'm going to do with your team and went from there. Because I could feel like, are is Belichick and Harbaugh coming into that interview, like telling them this is everything I think I should do? No. Right. And yeah. I don't think there are guys that are going to go in there and like try to establish their worth. Yeah. They don't they don't need to do that. Like we already know they're good, right? And I think that that might have been the difference in like look look at look at their previous hires, right? Like in Arthur Smith, like you know he walked into that meeting fully prepared with like 
a whole script in hand of what he wanted to say and like schemed it out and telling telling them how much of a big brain he is you know like that was that was definitely part of it and maybe that's what they wanted to hear they wanted to hear you know what he was going to do from day one they wanted that to know that he had an attack on paper ready to go and that's the only thing i can think of is that just those interviews went wildly different than expected and also, if you're going to go with a retread coach, I mean, you have a guy like Dan Quinn sitting there who literally coached in the Super Bowl. Granted, Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator at the time, so I think that helps. Uh, but, you know, I mean, like, if you're going to go with a retread, man, like, I just don't understand. I'm guessing either Belichick must have pulled out or something because there's no way they would have just went with Raheem Morris over Belichick. Or the other theory is that just getting into interviews – put makes the price go higher right like and now other other teams are going to have to like reach out sooner and get the ball rolling sooner because if you're bill belichick preparation seems to be one of the most important things to you right he spends all those extra hours in 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 the building working late into the night he's a guy that's going to want to get get in and get you know on the ground and running and i think Part of that being that he he wants to have the job as soon as possible so he can start making those plans and preparing. The only thing that I can envision being the real reason why Belichick and Harbaugh were not at least offered the job was that they wanted full front office control. I mean, mm. Harbaugh got hired prior to the GM in L.A., Belichick left the job because they said, like, you can't be the GM anymore because you're just not fucking good at it. And Arthur Blank has never really hired, like, big-name coaches. They've hired coordinators. They've never hired, like, a retread coach outside of, like, Dan Reeves. And I'm wondering if they were expecting more than what that ownership group was willing to provide them. And they said, like, we don't want we don't want our team to effectively be co-opted by the head coach and got a guy who already has shown that he can't be the, the, the GM. we got another guy who was really, really good with the 49ers, but he left right after that. And they were kind of in a tough spot with Jim Tom Sula, the goat. Um, so I'm wondering if they said, you know, Raheem Moore is probably somebody who's going to be more willing to work with our current staff. But that being said, like, how do you not, like, throw the bag at Mike Vrabel? Like, if we're talking about, like, defensive coaches or defensive-minded coaches, like, why not go after the guy that is a better – like, a better defensive mind in the game? It just – it feels weird. And also, not to, like, go down on a tangent – I'm kind of surprised Joe Brady did not has not had his name in any kind of coaching interviews from the Bills. It's really weird to me that nobody has considered him yet. I think the I think until the Bills actually do something, it's it's gonna it's 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 not gonna you know. Although and, and honestly, I mean, like he, there wasn't really much of a change from in EP, like EPA like when they fired. I mean, when fair. they fired. Uh, you know. I, it just didn't make any sense to me at the time, and it still doesn't make any sense to me that they fired him. Yeah. 
So we went through the best hiring, the worst hiring, and you wanted to do most intriguing hiring, right? Well, I, I wanted to throw out there another stupid move by the Falcons is because they took so long. Ryan Nielsen ends up signing as the defensive coordinator for the Jaguars. That's a, a steal. Yeah. Like the Jags just got lucky and sniped him really fast. But also, fuck you to the Falcons. They wanted The Giants wanted to interview their offensive line coach, and they blocked him. Only to a week later be like, all right, no one's blocked anymore after the Giants made a hire. Hmm. Assholes. Uh, but I'll, I'll start with under the radar. Um, or like kind of, you know, not necessarily under the radar, but more of like low key, the one that you probably like the most. And for me, it's Dry Mayo. Um, this was just an easy one because and look, I love Canales. I think that's a great hire for Carolina. It's probably the best they're going to do because, you know, it's their owner's a psychopath. Um, but Gerard Mayo, it, it, again, another guy who's been there for a long time, clearly is well-respected within the organization. But you can already see that it's a different shift in tone compared to Belichick. Like, he seems like he's going to be kind of like a more new school coach, bring a different approach. And, like, as much as a Giants fan, I was disappointed to hear him say that they're going to draft a quarterback at pick number three. I like the fucking – I like that he's not afraid to he's, – he's very brash. He's not afraid to say it. So yeah, um, I can appreciate – like there's definitely a different tone, a different energy in New England now. So it seems like they're willing to kind of – because there was a lot of stuff that came out, um, especially when you go back to um, a couple years ago, apparently like – did you guys hear about that? Though that apparently Belichick, um, they were gonna draft AJ Brown, and then apparently he felt like they were goofing off in the workout, so he decided not to draft them. And he went with he overrid his uh, scouts and went with uh, said Arizona State wide receiver's name. Hold on, I know who you, uh, Nikeem Harris, Nikeem, Nikeem, uh, Harry, Nikeem yeah. Harry. Yeah. So like apparently for the last few years. Belichick has been making like executive decisions based upon pure vibes and like ignoring his scouts. So it's not necessarily yeah. that the scouting has been an issue in new England and reason why the roster isn't the way it is. A lot of it seems to be that Belichick is just a guy who's very much stuck in his ways. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see the next few years because new England does have an opportunity, but it's, it's going to be tough because that division is pretty stacked right now, but you know, Anything can happen if you get the right quarterback in there. I'd like to point out that Nikhil Harry is a practice squad guy for the Vikings. Yeah, and again, wide receiver has been that kind of bugaboo for New England over the last few years. But from everything I've read is that I think the two guys they had brought in for a, a workout were A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel. And apparently Belichick did not like feel they were being professional in the in the workout so they went with Nikhil Harry who they felt like was being professional <laughs> and yeah let's just say yeah. that did not work out well for them that's honestly it's tragic it's like one of the most tragic things I've heard in a while <laughs> I mean Nikhil <laughs> Harry goes 32nd Debo Samuel goes 36th AJ Brown doesn't go until when the second uh, or third 50, round, 51 right? And then, well, oh, I guess DK, a lot of DK Metcalf on that too. one too, right? DK, it was DK Metcalf, not Debo Samuel, excuse me. I mean, imagine taking Nikhil Harry over fucking AJ Brown or reaching for Nikhil Harry too. <sighs> Guy, like, if you watch Nikhil Harry at Arizona State, he was a good route runner. 
really good route runner and like big tall had like like big strong hands point of attack but like he looked like he was running in quicksand yeah like, just like like lumbering type that of four or five 40 that he ran at the combine not great bob <laughs> i mean not like, great i i just don't, i i think people like i want to go like dk metcalf is the like perfect example of people overthinking shit when it comes to mm-hmm. like wide receiver prospects or just prospects in general um yeah i'm not surprised that nikhil harry ran a 7053 cone that is shocking to me like that is like shocking. I I would have thought he would have ran like a seven four eight the way he runs. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, with with these new head coaches instated. Well, who do you got before you go any further? What was the question again? Most underrated, underrated. hiring. Oh, most cycle. underrated. Um, you know, I I, I think I think I really. Just, I absolutely love Antonio Pierce getting that job. It felt so good. Raiders finally did something smart. Yeah, it felt so right. Good for them. Yeah, and, and and in that, I mean, he's already won. He's already won that locker room. Uh, the players are like have vowed, like are vowing to like leave the team if he wasn't. You yeah, know, Max Max Crosby basically ball. said, "Trade me if if you hire somebody else." If that doesn't mark a leader i don't know what does right like he's 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 going to get every ounce out of those players he knows what it feels like to be on that field i think more intimately than most of the other coaches they might have thought of hiring minus you know i I can't think of who who else did they interview for that job Uh, a couple other people was one of them yeah harbaugh was one uh Another it wouldn't have been a good fit, though. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't see that being a good fit. He clearly, like everybody in that locker room, clearly, like Devonte Adams was ready to ask for a trade, and now he's like, "See you guys next year," you know, yep. <laughs> like. And uh, also, low key, they hired Tom Telesco as the GM, the uh, yep. Chargers GM, and like I know everyone's like, "Oh, the Chargers fucking stink," and it's like that roster was really fucking good. Yeah, they brought in a lot of talent for that team, and they mm-hmm. the coaching was just never able to put it together. Antonio Pierce, he did, he did five draft four, five hundred over five hundred record for a team that was ass for the really ass. And that, that game that they blew out, who did they blow out? The Denver, they blew Denver out that one they week. Blew out I mean, the like, Chiefs, yeah. So the Chiefs. yeah, so I I think it's a good hire. My only question is with Tom Telesco, the guy who drafted Quentin Johnston. So I don't know. That's and I think that's like the uh, recency bias right now, and like that's where people are looking at for like why he failed was specifically things like Quentin Johnston, and uh, I don't know, man. Like that team, you're right. Like there's talent all over that team. Like he he did the right thing. He got Justin Herbert right. Like. No one else did. Everyone feel like is he not the most regretted miss in the draft by a lot of teams? Yeah. You know, so I will say, I will say though, in defense of Tom Telesco, when you're the GM for 10 years for a team, you're gonna miss somebody. And if they didn't take Quentin Johnson, somebody else was gonna do it. So it's just one of them things. Yeah, I mean, it, it just sucks because they were in such a good deep receiving class and there were so many good receivers that came out of that class. And it's like you, you ended up with the one that was like, oh. So 
there's two teams that have not. Oh, Tom, we didn't get yours. I'm sorry. My apologies. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be probably the most obvious one, but I know that the Panthers are a bit of a shit show right now, but I like the Dave Canales move. I do too. And the reason why I like it is because Dan Morgan is now the GM there too. Yeah. Those two had a connection when they were first off. Dan Morgan is, I think he's the all time leading tackler in Miami history. Yes. Um, came in right after Ray Lewis and absolutely fucking shoved. And then went to the Panthers was a really, really good player before concussions ended his career. And then, has been a front office guy and he's yeah. supposed to be this really heady, like deep thinking kind of guy on, I mean, he, he worked in Seattle, so he's got some pretty good roots there. That's where he met Canales as well. Canales is supposed to be the same kind of, they think about the game the same way. And frankly, like Canales was able to unlock something in Baker Mayfield that nobody else has been able to do. And that's probably the best football this year that Baker Mayfield has played. And I think that's going to be a really good pairing of a GM and a head coach, but they have to like go in on Bryce young and like surround him with something like, I I think they're going to need to, that's, that's not going to be an easy job, but I think having those two guys there and Morgan being a former player, he can tell Dave Tepper, like, yo, man, you need to back off a little bit because you tried it with the last guy and you fired him before the season ended. Like, that shit ain't going to fly here. Canales, by the way, was the quarterback's coach for Seattle 2022, the year that Geno Smith had his revival. So mm-hmm. um, clearly really quarterback-focused, smart, and like – I worry sometimes when people, when organizations just hire people to fit a need, you know, like, oh, we have a quarterback need, so we're going to hire this guy. And, but I think Canales is the one exception in this because everyone, everyone's been saying that he's like not just a, a specialist. He seems like he has the goods as a head coach. So, yeah. And like, yeah, like you're right. From where they were, this was really like, a home run move comparably from where they were. Like there wasn't really a lot of great options for Carolina. So the, the fact that they ended up with, I think one of the better ones is pretty impressive. So, yeah, I don't think anybody would want to go there either too. They kept saying like, Oh, Tepper will figure it out. It's like, yeah, but somebody has to, it's a mutual agreement. Like you can't just say, I want that guy to be my coach and they have to go to your team. Like guys are not going to go to shitty, like, environments unless there is something that shows like there's a way to work around it yeah i mean with that said though like i don't expect much of a turnaround i do expect a positive direction because frank reich wasn't it but like i don't i still don't see them being competitive for at least another two years I want to see who they end up hiring as the coordinators. Um, I just, I don't know, but I, I honestly, it's, it's going to all fall on Bryce because like if, if he's the guy that we thought he was at Alabama, then yes, absolutely. But if he's not, then it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a long few years. The fact that you also traded up to get to number one and you didn't take CJ Stroud could be something that haunts them for a long time. So. I, 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 you know, 
I, I don't know necessarily if it's something that should really haunt them. Uh, it's as much as it's just like, hey, you have a quarterback that has potential and you just haven't unlocked it yet, right? Like, I, I think the story is the... not completely written here yet. It's not. It's not. But I think the one thing that was um, for some people was that like they felt like I think it was that they felt like they wanted Stroud and then Tepper stepped in and was like, no, we're going with Bryce Young. That's been the the rumors that usually happens after a bad, you know, decision has been made. But so sometimes it's just people trying to be like, oh, I was always a Stroud guy. And it's like, well, that's not the case. It's it's the uh, commission over omission. Yeah, exactly. But I, I don't know, though, because, like, I mean, I, I keep going back to that video that went viral of Frank Reich and Josh McCowan basically telling CJ Stroud, like, well, we're going to have to get you a, a, a tennis or golf subscription once you get to once you get to Carolina. And it seemed like they wanted CJ Stroud and like the temper, you know, because I mean, like, listen, I, I think Bryce Young is still a good quarterback. I didn't have I had CJ Stroud way above him, but like I still thought he was good. Um, but like, you know, here we are and it's like you, you traded heaven, heaven and earth to get to number one and you take the wrong guy. So, but if, if Canales can get something out of him, get him back close to where he was in, um, Alabama, it's be impressive. Mm -hmm. Tom, I wanted to shift for a second because you are a fan. You wanted to shit for a second. Yes. I wanted to shit all over, all over the commanders. Um, Speaking of, you are one of two teams. I don't know what's going on in Seattle. I don't know. I don't even know who's like a candidate there. Um, yeah, it's been weird. I haven't heard like you've heard a lot about like Atlanta and Tennessee and all of these teams that had vacancies. I'm wondering if there's going to be somebody internal that's going to take that job, but I don't know who it would be. Like the defense sucked and. Well, and, and Waldron's gone, so right. You know, so it's like I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like McDonald could be a good fit there. Um, that do, makes a lot of sense to me, but I, I just don't know. Do we all feel like Waldron was their choice, and he just went for the money, and now they're like, oh shit, we got to do something about this? But no, I think they're in the same boat as uh, my my feeling is that they're in the same boat as the Commanders. That like like the Commanders are waiting for Ben Johnson to either win the Super Bowl or get eliminated. They're waiting for McDonald at this point. That's just my best guess. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I wanted to pose this to you because it looks like Ben Johnson's going to be the head coach mm-hmm. um, for the Commanders. If it's not him, who is who is the guy that you're like? Get me this guy right away. Mike McDonald. Okay, I figured as much. Yeah, I I just think that he has shown like, if you guys listen to um, Bomani Jones's podcast, he had Mina Kimes on, I think yesterday, and she said like, McDonald is the only guy that has been able to really figure out those Kyle Shanahan offenses, like mm. the Texans, the Dolphins, the 49ers. Um, and the only game that they really didn't win was um that game against the rams and it's more so that matt stafford just did matt stafford things but i mean they don't really the thing that i think is most important is 
there are guys in the NFL that get jobs because of the players. And I, it's not really my thought, but this is what would mean at times and Bomani were talking about, but one of them said there are, there are coaches that get jobs in the NFL because people think that they are really, really smart and good coordinators. When in reality, they have really, really good players on their team. Brandon Staley, great example, gets the job in San Diego because that defense was really good. Keep in mind, who did they have on that defense? They had Jalen Ramsey. They had Aaron Donald. They had a bunch of guys who are star-level players. And outside of, like, Patrick Queen and Kyle Hamilton for the Ravens defense, who else do they got? They don't have any. Roquan. Yeah, but they don't have any stud defensive linemen, but they have enough of the really good guys that they've just created a strong defensive package. That they, I mean, the Ravens. I mean, again, incredible. What an uh, they're, they're, they're probably the most deserves a ton of credit for everything that they do. I, for years, when I was a couple of years ago, like go back like six years ago, I was screaming for the Giants to go out and get Eric DaCosta because. He was the guy. He was the second-hand man in, in Baltimore forever, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. when Ozzy was there. But obviously, he wasn't taking any interviews. He knew Ozzy was close to retirement, and he was clearly going to be the guy that took over. And they haven't fucking skipped a beat. And, like, Ozzy Newsom's last fucking year in Baltimore, they get Lamar Jackson, which yeah. is, like, trade back into the first round, get Lamar Jackson. Um, left him there with a with a MVP type quarterback, but McDonald um, again. Every guy that goes there usually ends up being good. They understand how to build an, a team, an organization, draft players. Like McDonald uh, has been there since 2014. He left for one year. He goes to Michigan. He's the defensive coordinator there. They were eighth in total defense that year in the country. Um, and John's and- brother tells him to hire him. And then he comes back and obviously Wink leaves. And, you know, over that span that Wink was the defensive coordinator for Baltimore, they were total, they were number one in total defense over those five years. Big shoes to fill. And all of a sudden, they're better. Yeah. I think their defense is better now without Wink. Yeah. Like, Big not shoes. that it, like it's like an indictment on Wink. He's clearly a defensive, great defensive coordinator, but like he's he might be a little. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that, but it's it's clear as day that he he elevated that defense. And you're right, he like for him to be able like that's why I think Baltimore's winning the Super Bowl. I, I I don't think anyone's beating them at this point. Yeah, I think they're the team that I'd like to see win it, just because I think Lamar Jackson is probably the most the the player that I enjoy watching the most any so given fun. weekend. Yeah. But also too like. The way that they've constructed that team is it's it's just so they find guys and they play well. They don't just like find guys that play well for them. They find guys that they're able to develop that ultimately end up being stars. And I, I think they deserve a lot of credit in that kind of like ability to be able to scout, develop, and like put guys in positions to be successful, I think that should be celebrated and they should they should get their flowers for it. And frankly, I just want to see something different in the NFL. I, I think <laughs> I also think a big part of it too though is that like the NFL is not known for its consistency. 
right? Like a team gets mm-hmm. hot in the end at the end of the season, runs through playoffs and ends up being Super Bowl champs after, you know, kind of just tumbling into a the the seventh seed or something. Like consistency is very difficult in the NFL. And if there had to be a team that I think won the regular season, it was the Baltimore Ravens this year, right? Like hands yeah. down, most dominant team, most like organized and they and they did it through adversity like it wasn't like they didn't have huge you know losses they lost um what's his face the running back uh jk dobbins jk dobbins like you know they had a lot of injuries like they've sprung they've sprung back they did it all during that time when they had they had a lot of injuries and they've they've launched themselves into these playoffs and Definitely the most dominant performances thus far, or dominant performance thus far, um, even with all the blowouts. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, I've talked about this before, but I, I, I think teams sometimes overthink the draft a little bit. Sometimes it's just like I feel like they really like they think it's just like grand math equation when it's really just being smart. Like go back to twenty twenty one. The Ravens have the fourteenth overall pick and the twenty fifth overall pick, right? They take Kyle Hamilton at 14, and like I don't know how Kyle Hamilton ends up at 14. He was probably the safest player in the draft. Like fucking unbelievable, like stud safety who's 6'4. And then 25, they get Tyler Linderbaum. Again, another one of the safest players in the draft. We knew he was gonna be a stud. And like, you know, as far as offensive linemen go, interior linemen go, sometimes it's a real crapshoot with these guys, and they just get like two blue chip players, and they're not picking in the top 10 not picking in the top five they're picking if 14 and 25 like i think some people feel like they need a top five pick every year to make sure that their team is good when in reality the ravens never have a fucking top pick and consistently have one of the best rosters in football so yeah or or you could be the absolute fucking puzzle palace which is the new york jets and just like fuck yourself every year because you think oh this guy threw for a lot of yards at the combine he must be good. I, I think I think there's there's a pressure situation also when you're drafting at the top versus somewhere in the middle or below. Because the expectation is you take one of these top recruits out of out of the country, right? Out of out of college. And it almost forces your hand because if you miss on one of those top guys that have an endless ceiling. You know, you've really burnt yourself. And when you are when those guys are already off the board, you don't have that pressure. You can attack at the pieces you need where you need them. And to that, I think a part of it is that when draft decisions are made, I think a lot of teams go in and figure out why they shouldn't draft somebody. Right. And they have all these criterion as to why I should not select someone. And I think that's they get mired down by all those reasons over over just picking someone that checks a lot of the boxes satisfactory, but maybe not exceptional in this or that, that they believe philosophy, you know, philosophically is is what their team or organization de- desires the most, right? Bill Belichick, as we've already discussed here on this show, you know, it's he he goes and he quizzes these guys like, you know, tell me the last four plays that we talked about and regurgitate them back to me and like retention of that information like 
Josh Allen doesn't retain that shit, and he fucking crushes it week to week, right? Like, he's, yeah, the <laughs> the causation and like, like that's that's shit that Trent Dilfer does. Like, I can recall the last floor plays of the Super Bowl, and it's like, cool. You still threw like a thousand interceptions in your career. Like, at Dude, some point, brain being doesn't mean brain much. doesn't matter. Yeah, look, Brandon Staley. His big brain ideas were too much that he had to be let go in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's something about football that it still needs to maintain some sort of level of simplicity. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Dan Campbell is a guy that recalls like what the defensive package was on the 2003 giants team that he played in week 12. Like he's not that guy. He's meaning for another fucking Zin to put in his fucking yeah. lip. And like a quick thousand milligrams of caffeine before 11. <laughs> that's insane. He's yeah, psycho. that's that's a lot of caffeine, man. But I mean, like guys like that, they it doesn't really matter because I, I'm sure Harbaugh is the exact same way too, where like if you're able to motivate people and get them to feel confident and like capable, then that that in some cases, like now you're just letting athletes play this mm-hmm. game and the game is pretty fucking simple. If you're not thinking about it so much. I agree. Yeah. I mean, but like I, I, the Ravens are just a smart team and like, you know, bringing in guys like Morgan Moses and guys Former like Washington commando too, and New York jet too. Um, guys like, you know, trading for Roquan Smith, getting Jadavian Clowney, you know, these are guys that were like disassembled parts elsewhere, and they end up coming in. They're they're productive. They have their best season. So it's it's clearly they understand how to maximize players. And most teams in this league, you give them a superstar player, and they don't know what the fuck to do with them. Like I said, when the Giants drafted Evan Ingram, I said this is a mistake because they don't know what to do with him. What are you going to do with a guy like that? He goes to Jacksonville. He goes to a good offense, and he's he's like third in the NFL in, in targets and like. I mean, it's just, it's just silly, man. It really is. Yeah, there are there are teams that just get it, and then those that don't. And I'm hoping that with Adam Peters coming in for the Commandos, being the GM, that we're finally going to be a team that starts to get it versus one that just chases names. I, I do want to say one last thing about Washington. Let's say, for example, Ben Johnson takes a Seattle job as an example. Mike McDonald wants to stay for another year because he doesn't like the options or just doesn't want to live in that part of Maryland. Um, Bobby Slowick would be my second guess. Um, and the only reason why I think Rabel's a fantastic coach. Don't get me wrong. But I think Washington needs a – they need a – a young offensive mind in the building because they've tried the retread game for so long. And I don't think they necessarily need to lean on a elder statesman of the game to rebuild that culture. I think like the culture is there's a new owner. They're actually going to take shit seriously and they're going to go out and try different things. Guy who made CJ Stroud look really, really good this year is going to be your coach. Yeah, and I think chasing the young guys who are not tainted by, you know, 
past experiences like yeah. you know of being in those situations where things go really horribly wrong and then all of a sudden like i think like josh mcdaniels right like i mean aside from being him being a giant prick like it just seems like he was tainted by that whole denver situation like it seemed like he was trying to make up for it and it just never was going to work i am sad though i brought this up to you guys before i am sad though that i wish that he would have gotten the falcons job be mainly you could just watch him get tortured again well <laughs> no because he had the opportunity to do the funniest thing ever for his offensive coordinator position <laughs> if you yeah arthur smith who was the tennessee titans offensive coordinator before getting the falcons job imagine they hire variable and then arthur smith is hired as the offensive coordinator hey we just fired you <laughs> but john robinson how did you get back in here John work Robinson here is just on his knees screaming, no, not again. <laughs> Drake London is like, I I need to go into witness protection. I can't do like, this anymore. <laughs> I'm going to play basketball. Yeah, keep getting Fuck away this with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I know that you guys wanted to talk a little bit about the giant situation. And I don't think we actually discussed this because I think between – me being away and then us being sick and then other things happening. The Giants are a bit of a shit show right now. Is that is that off base to say? No, I don't think so. Okay. So, so let's let's start with the oldest news. Um Wink Martindale has and you guys have to fill me in on this, has either A resigned or B has been fired. Which one happened? He resigned. So, okay, so he was trying to get fired. Apparently, that's that's what is being said. He was trying to get fired. He did a good then, fucking job. Yeah. <laughs> and, and basically, apparently, um, they said no. And <laughs> if he could Fire execute me, a defense as well as he executed a potential firing, we'd be looking at playoffs right now. The, 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 the word is that apparently I think he was not. He he didn't love the way Dable approached him in coaching. Apparently, Dable is a very tough guy. He's he's apparently very fiery and like will not afraid to call you out and not afraid to talk shit to you. I question some of the stuff we've been hearing only because of the fact that like you also have to take into account that this is coming directly from Wink. He's gonna try and make himself look better in the situation. So I'm sure. Is some of it probably a little bit exaggerated? Sure. Do I think yeah. that it's accurate? Yes. Um, so I think th- I think there is clearly like there's both sides to it, but like clearly there was something bad going on. So yeah. I don't know. I, I I'm not obviously happy with what's happened. You know, I this, this is not what I wanted. Um, it the 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 shine has kind of come off. You know, the first year of Dable, we obviously were all very excited and happy about how things were going, and they're not going well now. And now we have Kayvon Thibodeau going on a goddamn podcast and talking. Um, But, I mean, I, I still have to believe that they're going to get it figured out. I, the defensive coordinator uh, people that they've been bringing in are very good. Also, I want to point out, Wink Martindale, not exactly new to this, if you remember two years ago, the reason why he was available in the first place was that after a winning season in Baltimore, he basically resigned from Baltimore because of problems he had with Jim Har- uh, John Harbaugh. 
So I I have to two Harboroughs too. Yeah, I have to expect that maybe <laughs> Wink is also kind of a tough guy to deal with as well. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm I'm not gonna just count out Dable here, but it's it's certainly not the look that we wanted at this point. So I I will say though, and this is something worth discussing, is that Brian Dable was a replacement of Jalen Hurts for Tua Tunga Vailoa in a national championship game away from being completely irrelevant. And he ends up getting that Bills job because of that, not because he was a good coordinator, but because he knew when to pull Hurts and put in Tua. I would argue that sometimes being a good coach. Yeah, but he did for the whole year, though. Like, like I, I think that he was not – I want to be careful what I say here, but I don't think he was as – like beloved in Tuscaloosa as some of their previous offensive coordinators. I think when he left for the NFL, I think they were pretty fine with it. He given everything that you said, he has a reputation. I I don't think that's, I don't think there's any avoiding that at this point. Um, He, he clearly has a reputation and you, we see it. I mean, like that was the one thing is like I, I had a couple of Giants friends who I was talking to and they were like, this is bullshit this is a hit job. And I said, I don't think it is. I think you see it on the sideline where he's screaming at people. And it's like if you think he's doing that out in public with the cameras on him, imagine him in a fucking building where there's no cameras on him. Yeah. Like I imagine he's sitting there and he's probably talking and like Wink for all the like his his look gives off like, you know fiery dude who screams at everybody apparently it's not really the case it's not his style and they didn't coach together before this like he you know he was a guy who they he hired without ever working with before so i think there's credence to the fact that dable is probably a tough guy to work with and obviously there's a lot going on with kafka now because uh, you know he's interviewing for seattle um he's actually gotten the second interview but i from everybody like jordan renan and dan duggan the beat writers and the giants they've all been saying it that even if kafka doesn't get a um head coaching job most likely he's gone so i think there's some something to that you have would to you least... be upset if kafka left though not really um, I don't think it's a huge loss, honestly, but I also am more troubled by the, the Kafka stuff with Dable than I am with the Wink stuff because the Wink stuff seemed like personality issues. The thing with Kafka was he like there was one line I remember that he would tell Kafka to call run play, but if he didn't call the run play that he wanted, he would scream at him and then take over the offense. And, like, you can't expect a guy who's never called an offense before, you can't keep taking it away from him. There was a controversy in the middle of the year that it looked like Dable started calling plays in the middle of the game. He denied it. Everyone denied it. And then it kept happening, and it seemed like he was calling plays. So what apparently what was happening was he would, you know, he would let Kafka call plays. It didn't go the way he wanted it to. And then in mid-game, he'd be like, you're done. I'm taking over. And then next week, not a good look. Literally gives him the job. And like, how do you expect the guy to grow? And like, Kafka didn't call plays before he was here. He was he was quarterback coach in in Kansas City. How do you expect the guy to be anything if you keep taking the job away from him? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wonder if that a lot of that is like 
he is very new to this game and not new to the the game of football, but very new to the game of like being an actual leader of men and not just players, but coaches as well. Yeah. And I mean, I imagine like there's a lot of anxiety that he has with a guy that they signed for a multi-year deal. Who's kind of a meh quarterback. And the beginning of the season was pretty much proving that he was a meh quarterback. And they, they overachieved in the first year, got into a playoff game, beat the Vikings, and they kind of regressed back to where they were supposed to be. And Dayball is trying to get them potentially in a position where at least they'll be competitive. And he's feeling the anxiety because New York is not exactly an easy market to coach in. Um, very few have actually done well in it. Um, but I agree with you. Like, I think there needs to be some kind of veteran presence there to be like, yo man, you need to like, like your job is to lead this team and not lose your shit on the fucking sideline and throw an iPad when Daniel Jones gets sacked and yell at Mike Kafka and have Joe Shane listening in the team radio and be That's, like, yeah, I was bad. what I the like that. fuck am I listening to? That's a bad look. That is the worst look. That was him. bad. Yeah. But I do have to ask, was this happening in the previous year when he was coach of the year, when the team won their way into the playoffs and won a playoff game? Or did or did the frustrations of ineffective offensive coordinating kind of spiral? Actually, I, I would say there's an apex in this issue, and it's actual Daniel Jones. He showed up and he was absolute dog shit. <laughs> I would say that winning cures everything. I think people can put yeah. up with a lot of shit when you're winning. And like, also, I think less screaming oh. happens because you're winning, right? Like, you're not going to yell at somebody for losing, right? Like, for, for winning, you know? So it's, I think that was, I, I think this year there was a lot of pressure on them. And even Joe Shane said he made a miscalculation. They, he went and got Bobby Okereke. He pushed a lot of contracts into 2025 and 2026. I don't, I don't see Okereke being a bad. It, no, no, he was great. He was great. Yeah, he was, he was, ta he was talking about cap a lot, a lot then. Oh, okay, yeah. So that he, he went out and spent a lot of money thinking was, that they could run it back. He this was a year. little bit more overconfident, or not overconfident, but he's a little bit more confident in the ability of the current team. Exactly yeah, right. Think. He, he, instead of looking at it as a total teardown, which it is, he looked at it like maybe we can make something out of this. So. Um, I and again, I appreciate his candor. I, I, I think Joe Shane um, gets it, but he also needs to start picking it up too because you know Thibodeau, softest eleven and a half sacks I've ever seen in my life. I watched back every sack, by the way. None of them were really all like two or three second point of attack, dominating. Yeah, except for Commanders. I don't know what it is about the Commanders. He just fucking owns the shit out of them. Um, it's a reoccurring trend, trust me. <laughs> but uh, most of the sacks were like coverage sacks or like effort sacks, which you know are good. But like, they're that's not you're not Miles Garrett. I mean, you know? if if we yeah, if the thing is, if we go into I think gameplay here, part of it was that there's a lot of him doing a lot of different things. He's dropping into flats coverage and all sorts of other things besides just direct rushes he's maybe not getting as many opportunities because he's one of the most athletic guys on that front line and you do have a number one defensive lineman in Dexter Lawrence that can 
really get the job done. So obviously you're sending him every time, right? So, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, we got to see. Uh, and again, here we are again uh, with the dreaded fucking sixth pick. I still have nightmares of the Giants having pick number six. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you do here. Like, I mean, I, I think they're going to – I think if Kafka leaves, they're going to hire um, uh, Fuckface from Buffalo. Um, Dorsey. And Dorsey. Dorsey. Thank you. And defensive coordinator, I want Denard Wilson. I mean, that's just where I'm at. Like, but if they do end up getting Leslie Frazier, I'm not going to hate that. I mean, it just doesn't, I don't think it really fits. That's the biggest problem is this defense really took a step forward. Dexter Lawrence was dominant. Bobby O'Karake looked like a stud and and now we're switching and like, are they going to be the same kind of defensive philosophy? Are they going to use Dexter Lawrence the way that they've been using him? It's just, it's just, this is not what we needed right now. We didn't need this turn, this changeover. I, I, and I don't know necessarily how this works, but I really think that they need to find somebody. Honestly, I would see if there's a special teams coach that's floating around out there that has experience calling defensive plays or has a specialty in that because those special teams coaches have a way of finding the unique skills and traits in and skill unique skills and traits that certain guys have and being able to to leverage them to get the best out of their players and who is the best special teams coach that don't is now you fucking dare say it i swear to god no I no no no, no 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 i'm okay. saying that like a good example of this was john harbaugh okay where he was a special teams guy in philly and he's been mm-hmm. able to be a really good head coach i don't know who you're referring to joe judge no no, I think the ship has sailed on Joe Fudge. <laughs> I, I think that now the Belichick era has ended, all of these guys are going to have to find normie jobs. Like Joe Judge is going to back being like a, a morgue janitor, Matt Patricia is going to go and sleep <laughs> under Route 81. The bridge. fact that Philadelphia <laughs> hired Matt Patricia as a defensive like specialist is fucking incredible. I. I want to finish my thought and then I want to talk Go about ahead. the Eagles because Go they ahead. are a fucking disaster right now. So I think the Giants, this might be a good opportunity for them to like get creative and find somebody because you just said it, Q. Like you've got players that fit within a certain system and it's a very unique system. Instead of finding a system and putting the players in it, create a system that will leverage those players to be the best that they can be i think it can be done it's not so much about i I wouldn't say it's so much that it's a complicated system it's just about usage right and it's using dexter lawrence as the nose tackle which was no something that nobody was really doing and like it unlocked him um gave him that extra second yeah it's all about positioning right it's about that it's about that odd front right like the odd fronts are what really kind of was like what wink did well and i i'm actually okay with it because like he was he, he didn't have much of an emphasis on pass rushers and linebackers it was all db driven so i'm i'm actually fine if we can get somebody who's more like linebacker centric or edge rusher centric but wilson. like i just denar well denar wilson db coach but like i you just look at his track record and it's like holy fucking shit man Literally, the, the defensive back coach for the Philadelphia Eagles two years ago when they were, like, the number one pass defense, he leaves for Baltimore, and what happens? They become the 32nd pass defense in the league. 
literally worst to first in one year after Denar Wilson leaves. Then he comes to Baltimore, and what happens? Baltimore goes from like 15th, 16th, whatever they were, and now they're the number one pass defense. So clearly he comes in and he elevates whatever team he goes to. So like that's why for me, like he was he's my number one guy. I want a guy who can take players and elevate them. But he's also traditionally more of a four three guy. So I this is where it gets complicated, but I mean you I, can you can shade Dexter, you know, into a over situation or something and put him in a gap that that again still attacks the center there and gives him a direct route. I just hope they keep the odd fronts. I just want to keep Dexter Lawrence as a nose tackle. I want to keep I want Kayvon to get more hand, you know, hand in the dirt situation. Like I want to see, I want to see more of that. And yeah, I, don't I, know. I, I think the, the point I was trying to make is that they shouldn't be looking for a coordinator that says, I can't work with these guys because they don't run my system. They should be finding a guy that says, I'm going to build a system around these guys. And so one final point be going on everywhere. That's- yeah, I mean, and we had a conversation too a couple of weeks ago about like how defenses have adapted to like these shotgun offenses where they run multiple fronts and multiple schemes in the back end. Like the traditional four three or three four is just not the bag anymore because the offenses don't call for it. But last thing I was going to say, there's another guy that Denard Wilson worked with when he worked with the Jets. Jamal Adams mm, is yeah. another one too where. Yeah, Jamal Adams was an all pro safety when Wilson was with the Jets and has not really been the same kind of player since then. Granted, sure injuries hasn't. and changing teams and things like that, but he is he's not been the guy that he was during that that time frame. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, I think clearly at this point you're seeing that he has an impact wherever he goes. Um. I did want to like, and also like, I don't know what to do with this team, man, because here we are now. I, I'm, you guys obviously saw the Kayvon Thibodeau situation and I'm mm-hmm. interested to get your feelings on it because I don't know what to do here uh, with this. I, I like that. He's not afraid to say something, but like, man, <laughs> I, I it's an unwritten rule to not pocket watch your players, man. So we, I mean, we do a lot of defend the players and having their opinions. They're not just, you know, pieces on a board. Um, and honestly, I think it's, this is, this is going to be more and more common. Like Micah Parsons is out there, you know, every week saying ridiculous <laughs> things. I mean, we could, oh, we could go into that the whole Cowboys Dak isn't it stuff. Um, if you'd like you guys like at some point too, but uh, <laughs> it's um, I, I think, you know, he's entitled to his opinions. Remember, he's the one that's got to go walk into that locker room after saying things like that. And, you know, well, I, I will say in his defense, he did say building. he's fine. He was like, he, you know, he did say that, like, oh yeah, no, he, you know, uh, he, he deserved to get his money too, right? But like, I think my point being is that it's like he, I think he was wrong in that, like Saquon somehow deserved the money too, like, and like, he's like, oh, Saquon was thirty percent of our explosive plays, but by the way, is close to being correct. Um, 
he was 28%, but the Giants were also dead last in explosive plays. So I think my point being is that it's like, okay, who gives a shit if ultimately, you know, who gives a shit if ultimately he was the leader in explosive plays? They were bad. So it's like, it just doesn't change anything. He was one of the, I I have to give Saquon his credit in, in a lot of ways, because despite altogether being bad, he was the most consistent thing of that offense. I think being able to run the ball on a team that just couldn't get anything going for weeks. <laughs> like they figured it, like they started to figure it out towards the very tail end of the season, you know, when, when Tyrod was healthy and able to stay in there. Right. And DeVito gave them it, it you know, like everyone was just playing for, everyone was playing for, you know, the handoff to Saquon. And... I, I think my, I, I, so I think where I'm kind of coming from is that for me, I don't, I, I think he was half right. I think he's right that Daniel Jones wasn't the most pressing concern contract wise, but at the same time, I don't agree with paying running back. I'm just time and time again, I think I've been proven right over and over and over again. And look, Christian McCaffrey is maybe the only exception, but I don't really even look at Christian McCaffrey like a running back. Like he's anybody like he's like, uh, he's the offensive weapon, but notice he, he had to actually go to San Francisco before he was having this like incredibly dominant season he wasn't this dominant in Carolina. Like, so like for a bad team, taking a running back is not going to elevate your team. You have to be a team that's already near the top and then you get your, your running back. So like, I don't think paying Saquon Barkley, like it's like what happens if Saquon Barkley gets hurt, which is a common theme, right? Well, All right. So you're only dealing for how much they get paid. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's... like, I, I I don't I, I understand, but I think this is a bad move for a locker room to be like talking about what guys deserve to get paid and what guys don't. So yeah, it's not a good look. I will say that I think Kayvon Thibodeau feels like he can say this because one of two things is true. Or both are true. One, he has no respect for Daniel Jones as a player on the team. He said or he does. As, as a leader. Or two, he knows that Daniel Jones is either not going to be the starter next year or he's going to be gone. I, I don't mean, know if you say that to establish to an established player. I just don't I, I don't know at this point because of the fact that like the they Giants play are on. kind of in a tough spot quarterback wise. So I don't know if they're gonna like be able to just move on from him. So they, they also play on different sides of the ball. I mean I don't know. It, it. I, I, I don't. I don't think he's wrong in the sense that yes, clearly Daniel Jones was not the most important person on this team. But at the Does same Daniel time, Daniel Jones also know this though. <laughs> I feel like have we. You've seen some of these interviews, right? You've seen the interview where someone's like, "Hey, do you think uh, they should go out and go pick up another quarterback this draft?" and he was kind of like, you know, I, I'm confident in myself, but, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. Like, All I'm saying is I can't wait till Saquon Barkley's on a different team. And it has nothing to do with Saquon Barkley. I'm just tired of this conversation. We've been having this conversation since 2018. And every Giants fan, there's so many Giants fans that I talk to that are just like, I don't understand your mindset that paying $14 million a year for Saquon Barkley is somehow a good idea. It just... 
uh, for when you're building a team and you like have to work within the confines of the cap and you're talking about what one eighth of your cap going towards a starting running back in this league, by the way, a running back that is clearly starting to show signs of slippage. Yeah. And who outside of his first year and 2022 has never played a full season. Yeah. And I, I understand he's respected and that's, that's fine. I totally understand that. I'm just saying that it's like, how like <laughs> there's so many plays last, especially last year where I was like old take the Saquon rookie year would have, would have, would have scored a touchdown on that play. And then it's just like, he gets caught from behind or something. So I don't know. I just, I, I it's, it's just a, it's such a weird convo for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would imagine too, this is kind of like what also happens with a, with a locker room that's kind of in dysfunction and in limbo. Like, there's the season did not go the way they were wanting it to. They went through three different quarterbacks. It was a team that was really, really injured. And now there's infighting with the coaches and there's a lot of fluctuation of like who are going to be the coordinators next, next year for both offense and defense. And players are just going to kind of sound off on what their opinions are of the team. And I'm not saying that you can blame him, but there hasn't been a ton of reasons for them to like get in lockstep with one another. Yeah. I agree. I, I 100% agree. Um, I just don't know what you do going forward. It just it doesn't seem to be a good answer. Have a good draft and go into the season healthy. Problem is, you need a quarterback, and I expect that quarterback's going to go one, two, three. And, uh, I just, you know, you're, you're going to be left with the J.J. McCarthy's. Michael Penix, you are a New York Giant. Not a fan. Does, no is, is there a scenario, though, that the Giants just decline to take a quarterback this season? I mean, you could. I mean, you know, they could always go with a quarterback later on in the draft, um, you know, like a day two or a day three guy. Yeah. Um, Un- unfortunately, I don't see um... – Tyrod Taylor sticking around this year. I think he's he's off onto a new direction. Yeah, so. I, I I don't I don't think so either. But the Giants are going to need somebody. Um, you know, they are going to need a a guy, so uh, a good backup because I yeah. I, mean, I don't even know if Daniel Jones is going to be available at the start of the season because he's coming off the ACL. So, and, and no I think the. The other part of that too is that if the end of the year they're not looking good or Jones hasn't um, gotten back to a better form of himself, the Giants might sit him in in case of the injury clause in the contract, right? Well, yeah, because yeah, they they can save themselves for twenty twenty five. Exactly. Now, the only problem here is that you have to go find somebody then that that is good enough to do that. I mean, clearly. When it comes down to it, I think the best case scenario for the Giants is that they find their Jalen Hurts. And what I mean by that is a guy that is not considered to be in the top five right now, and you end up getting in the second or third round and then ends up kind of like coming out of nowhere in the right system. And I mean, obviously, if you're talking about people in this draft, I mean, it's either going to be Joe Milton or Spencer Rattler or Michael Pratt, you know, one of those guys, Sam Hartman. Those are the guys that you are like, I mean, Joe Milton is the guy for me that I think is he could either become the next greatest quarterback of all time 
like the next goat, or he's going to be just a guy who's out of the league in a year and a half, like probably the latter, but like his skill set is obviously pretty incredible, but he's just never been good. So um, it's, it's hard to imagine that he's, you know, he's going to all of a sudden get it together. So, but like, those are really the best case options for the giants at this point, because I, I don't see any scenario on earth in which the bears don't take Caleb Williams. I don't see any scenario in which the commanders don't take a quarterback. And if they don't, they're not going to trade with the giants. So, you know, maybe the Falcons or something, but like, and then three Gerard Mayo has basically already said they're taking a quarterback. So unless, unless we get lucky and Bo Nix is one of the quarterbacks that ends up going in the top three or Michael Penix goes in the top three, you know, and then Jaden Daniels or Drake may ends up falling down, but. Yeah, and by the way, Michael Pratt is still with Tulane. He has not declared. He hasn't. Is he officially back? Or I could have swore he was coming out at Tulane. Tom, I felt like you had something also to add there. Um. Yeah, I had a. Let's see. I don't see anything that says that he's declared. So. He might be sticking around. So if the Giants, if they're not going to take a quarterback, they do have options. And I'm curious to see if they'd be willing to take a flyer on any of these guys. Malik Davis. No, I mean for like a free agent. Oh, quarterback. quarterback. So I thought you were talking about the draft because I'm, so, I'm I'm locked in on Malik Neighbors if, if yeah, we're not taking a quarterback. He's, he's absolutely filthy. He's a he'd fucking be- stud. Yeah, he'd be a great pick. So you've got guys like Kirk Cousins, mm. Ryan Tannehill. No, thank you. Jacoby Brissett. Interesting. I like that. He's 31. Or he I like, I like Jacoby. Yeah. Um, you got other guys like Sam Darnold, who's 27. Jameis Winston. Ooh. No. That would be special. That I'm would be not, something. It would, it would be an entertaining season, but I – I think misery loves company and it would just be more man Jabba wins. What about um, Baker Mayfield is a free agent. The problem. I I love it, but the problem is he's not going to come cheap. So he's coming off of an amazing season with Tampa. So he's going to want a big contract and like the giants can't afford to pay Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I I would also say I don't think Baker Mayfield does good in a place like the Giants because the downgrade of receivers that he would have to deal with would absolutely not like he would he would have no one to throw to in comparison like going from like Mike Evans and in uh, Kate Otten to <laughs> Mike to whatever Evans, the fuck we got Godwin. Like Scott, yeah, like forget it, forget it. It's not the same. They're in a different level league at the moment. I will say though, they know that their receiving core is bad in New York, so they could very easily go and get a Malik Neighbors, and then also like a T Higgins, and then they're there. Your problem is solved. I my my dream is to have a T Higgins or a Brandon Ayuk on the team, and. Bro, Make, Brandon and I, it would be a magical turnaround. But then again, at that point, Daniel Jones might actually look like he's worth his money because of such a change that would happen to that offense, right? Brandon Ayuk, um, 
as a giant would be it's my like, dream oh man i just thought I, I don't know i don't think it's gonna happen i don't think they're gonna let him go but uh because debo has not been like the picture of health so i just can't imagine they're gonna let him walk but yeah brandon Ayuk. uh i think the tape really kind of speaks to how good he is i don't think he gets his flowers enough honestly yeah T Higgins, I'm just like every, it feels like every game T Higgins ends up leaving with an injury. I just like it's I been really a rough year to be a um for his walk year. He just he just yeah he just seems like he's always hurt and I just like you know I just I don't know. Yeah, but then he has like some crazy plays, man. That just like that that catch and grab and then that crazy bend into the end zone to win I mean, that game. Listen, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Hyatt, and Wandale Robinson, and then you draft the Penn State tackle, uh, Ulu, and then you move Evan Neal to guard. Sounds pretty filthy to me. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, I think no. I think I think Dable has proven that he can take an average quarterback and make them look pretty good. So I'm not against the idea of going on a day two quarterback, but you just have to lower your expectations. It's not as good as getting a Jaden Daniels or Drake May or Caleb Williams. So, yeah, I will say, though, if just going back to the going back to the well for free agent quarterbacks, I could see one of two things happening. Jacoby Brissett, which we talked about perfectly happy. But I also think, too, you can probably get a 36 year old Kirk Cousins on a one year prove it deal. Yeah, but. How guy how, told, well guy was, how well was his non high ankle sprain going to be next year? I mean, uh, he tore his Achilles relatively early in the season, so I don't, I don't, I don't think it's happening. I don't think, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Kirk Cousins is going to want to go somewhere he thinks he can win, and I don't think the Giants. Are, I don't think the Giants are viewed as that type of destination. Yeah, but I can't think of any places that are on the cusp of um cusp of winning a Super Bowl that don't already have a quarterback. Miami. A big piece these days. Miami. Yeah. No, I think they're pretty much locked in on Tua until they he shows them he definitely can't do it. Um I don't think San Francisco is in the cards anymore. I think Brock Purdy going to two NFC Championship games. Is did you much. guys? Uh, Raiders. Did, did, yeah. <laughs> Raiders would be Yeah, that might not be bad, actually. Do, did you guys see that thing about Brock Purdy and Tom Brady? No. What's I, the other it, ESPN, like, buried it. They didn't talk about it, but apparently Brock Purdy let out that um, Kyle Shanahan told him in the beginning of the year that if Tom Brady was interested oh! in playing, he was going to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, I heard that. And, like, Brock Purdy played in the NFC Championship games. Like, fuck, man. Like, really? Like, the fuck? <laughs> like, why am I Why am I getting screwed here? Um, it was interesting because, like, no one was talking about it. Yeah, because, I mean, it's kind of irrelevant now, right? Like, it's significant in the sense, though, that, like, I think we all kind of figured that like there was some flirtation with Tom Brady and, and Kyle, but like the fact that it was actually like, he basically told Brock Purdy, like if he wants to play, he's you're you're go fucking sit on the bench, bitch. You know, like it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's a yeah. go sit on the bench. It's not a get off my fucking team. Thing. Well, no, of course not. Like, you know, like, there's an opportunity to like learn from the greatest quarterback. But Tom, Tom time. Brady's not exactly the picture of like one and done. He's like, I'm going to be here a while. Like I'll take another. 
Yeah, get your fucking so. clipboard, kid. Because, like, <laughs> honestly, I think Tom Brady, I, even with Tom Brady at quarterback, I think they won the Super Bowl this year. Like, they have, they're a Super Bowl team. So, like, you think he's just going to retire after one year? It just doesn't seem like him. I think making the assumption that a 46-year-old is going to be, like, a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback is a It's San Francisco. Okay. I mean, I get what Q's saying because, like, let's let's be honest. Brock Purdy's performance is purely dump the ball off or, you know, it's not about making all these – like, he doesn't have to do much, right? And Tom Brady can – doesn't have to do much but has the ability to do much more i want to point out that he didn't have to do a whole lot in tampa either he didn't have to do a lot in the a whole hell of a lot when he was with the patriots either right Uh, i don't know about that one like but assuming that a guy is going to be consistently good deep into his 40s is it's tom brady that sure. offensive line, sure. that offensive line, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. With that offensive line, which has Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. Well, I don't know if McGlinchey's still there, but like really, really good offensive line. Defense is studs. And then added Chase Young in the middle of the field, mid of the year. With Brandon Ayuk oh, yeah. and Debo Samuel and George Kittle, you think that Tom Brady is just like, I don't know what to do here. I can't make it work. Like, it's not on. that his brain doesn't work. It's that he's 46 years old. Still better than a lot of the quarterbacks in the league. Uh, sure. Don't talk about the GOAT that way. They weren't good. He wasn't good last year with Tampa. It's, it's, okay, Tom, My I guess the debate here. You think he was a Super Bowl caliber quarterback? You're saying, you're in saying last young, year? Young, Brock, young Brock outperforms old Brady. I think that they have just as good of a chance with Brock Purdy as they would with a 46-year-old person, except Brock Purdy is not 46 years old. What's the biggest problem with Brock Purdy, I think, is that he doesn't always see his ability to maybe to see some of the bad decisions isn't there or honed like Tom Brady's is. And they're not I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you right now that Tom. that is the same shit that people say who didn't watch second year Tom Brady either. All right, one sec one second. Ready? All right, all right, Tom. All right. Okay. Hands off your keyboard, okay? Hands okay. up. Hands up. Sixty six point eight percent completion percentage. Why is your hand so wet, Tom? Forty six hundred yards, twenty five touchdowns, nine interceptions. Okay. How many? 4,600 passing yards, 4,700 passing yards, 67% completion, 25 touchdowns, nine interceptions, okay? Mm -hmm. Quarterback two, 69.4, so roughly 70, 4,200 yards, 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Yeah. What is the vast difference between those two guys? The vast difference was Tom Brady was down in a shit ton of those games. That's why he's got 4,700 yards. Yes, yes. <laughs> I would argue that was a lot of the a lot on Tampa not being very good. So they they, they had. So are you penalizing a guy because he was on a better team, or are you rewarding a guy because he was on a worse team? Say that again. Are you rewarding Tom Brady because he threw for a lot more yardage on a bad team? 
No, when what I'm what I'm down by like out, 20 oh, points at the what half. I'm pointing, what I'm pointing out is that the there wasn't a much there wasn't much variance in the statistics. The, so my the point variance is, is you are trusting a 46 year old man. No, okay, we're trusting Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom, okay, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go back. Let's go back for a second because Tom Brady at 45. 67.5% completion, 5,300 fucking passing yards, 43 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That's that is a 45 year old Tom Brady. So, yeah. like, and then clearly they took a dip the following year because they, it was it was Tom, Todd Bowles taking over and like no more of like the lead coaching staff anymore. So, like, if you think with Kyle Shanahan running things, that like somehow he can't figure it out. Tom Brady would have never figured it out. My, well, considering Kyle Shanahan hasn't figured out how to win any of those big games, Kyle Shanahan might be the bigger enemy there. Um, Maybe. I'm just saying like to assume that a 46 year old who did not take a snap at all this year is going to be vastly better than the guy that brought well, he would have been, game. he would have been going through the system with them. He, would, hey, he, he wouldn't, well, he wouldn't have come in and like week 10, he would have, he would have been to there assume, in the But to assume a 46 year old who has not taken a snap this year would be as good as a 24 year old, I think is like, but I'm not we're getting that, into though. like wait wait wait. I'm not but then we that, forget though. about what happened this year with the Cleveland Browns and Joe Flacco. Thirty five off of a thirty six is different than forty six. Like there's a ten year gap in there. But that's yeah, not but what I'm saying though. Like, I'm not saying Tom Brady uh, treats himself to avocado ice cream. Like I don't know what Joe Flacco does. You know what I mean? Like he's not. Joe Flacco is folding laundry and threw for four. What I'm saying though, Tom, is that if you you're basically like I think what you're saying is that it wouldn't have been much of a difference. I'm saying that trusting a significantly older person. But that's not what I'm saying though. I'm saying though is that like again we're not trusting right because at the end of the day Brock Purdy is going to be the backup right, or Sam Darnold would be the backup and Brock Purdy would be the third string whatever whatever order you want to put it in. Tom Brady signs with the 49ers, right? And let's imagine he doesn't in the offseason, right? Okay, I'm not retired anymore. He flirted with the retirement. He's back. He signs with the 49ers, right? He's the starter. Brock Purdy, number two. Sam Dardle, number three. When we're going through the season, you're saying trusting, right? Because if you know you have Brock Purdy in your back pocket as a backup, and you know that he could walk in if Tom Brady was to get hurt or if Tom Brady was to fucking shit the bed, my point being is that you clearly would have elevated your quarterback because, like, I, I don't. I mean, if you're arguing that Brock Purdy is better at this point than Tom Brady is at this point, I mean, I'm gonna have to respectfully disagree. But like, my point being is that because Brock Purdy is the last pick in the draft, he you don't owe him anything. You could have went with Tom Brady for a year, see how it goes, win a championship, and I, I think they'd be in the same spot. So would you feel the same way about Drew Bledsoe in 2003? No, because he wasn't – He because Drew Bledsoe's never won a Super Bowl. Tom Brady didn't in 2001 either. But that's my point, though, is that, like, you're talking about replacing the last pick in the draft with a guy who was a seven-time Super Bowl champion. That's not – it's not – it's apples you're and oranges. You're talking about replacing the sixth-round pick with a guy who was the number one pick in the draft. Drew Bledsoe was already in his in his 30s and was not a Super Bowl winner. Tom Brady is a seven-time Super Bowl winner. There's a vast difference. I 
guess, but you don't get credit for winning Super Bowls when you're 46 as you would for when you're 25. Why not? Like, why, why, just because why, why, you won, why not? Just because you won a Super Bowl doesn't mean you're going seven. to do it again. Seven Super Bowls. Just because you won seven doesn't mean you're going to get an eighth. Like, but, it's not guaranteed. This isn't fucking okay. Medicare. But of course, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantees in life. But my point being is that if you don't think the 49ers would have been better off with a Tom Brady in the beginning of the season over a Brock Purdy, I mean, like, I'm just, again, I will just have to respectfully disagree because I think even at Brock, even at his age of 46 years old, I still think Tom Brady is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy is. And I think we can have this writers? argument because Tom, Tom Brady hadn't thrown a pass this year. So it's, but no, but, but you're, you're, I think what you're missing is that this would have happened in the beginning. This would have happened in the off season. So Tom Brady would have not, he would have retired for two minutes and then unretired. So Tom Brady would have still been there through OTAs and everything. I think you're thinking like I'm having Tom Brady come off the couch like Flacco did. No, 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 no. I'm looking at it as regardless of the crazy shit that he does to his body, 46 is still 46. And when a 22-year-old is chasing you off the edge and can hit you, regardless of how much you train and how limber your body is in the TV 12 package, Getting hit at 46 is still going to feel like you got hit at the age of 46. And we already had we already had two guys over the age of 30 tear their tear their Achilles tendons. One of them is supposedly the guru of fitness, and the other one is you know praise a lot. And I I have There's real no hesitation assuming that a guy who is 10 years older than I am is going to somehow be able to float through a season. No problem. I think if you're hinging on that, if are you're you banking really, on are, that, are you really? Okay. But are you really banking on that when you have Brock Purdy as a backup? This was not a single choice between the two of them, right? But Brock because Purdy, Brock Purdy does not get sent to the twilight yeah. zone. If you, if you, if you sign Tom Brady, he becomes the backup. Yeah, but why? That means you just have better quarterback room because now Brock Purdy gets to spend a year behind Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. It's it's so weird we're having this conversation because I just I I, I didn't think it'd be that controversial. Brock, Brock Purdy is just not that good. I don't I don't <laughs> think so either. I mean, there's like the eye test doesn't do. He's deceptive because his statistics. I will say great, this is the exact it's all, yeah. same argument that people made about Tom Brady, and but his numbers are better than him. Brock Purdy did not. Tom Brady did not play in a Kyle Shanahan offense, which is the most quarterback friendly offense there is. The but think about I mean, Matt Ryan entire, won an MVP. The entire argument Matt about Ryan Tom won an Brady MVP before with Kyle he Shanahan. got Randy Moss was that he was a system quarterback. I feel like I'm going insane because this is the only thing people talked about with him compared to Peyton Manning. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl with two different teams. I mean, I will say this though: Tom Brady. None spent of that majority of his matters time though when we're talking about Bills, age. Jets and Dolphins teams. So it was six Tom, guaranteed wins a year. Tom. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl at 44. We're acting like he – I think the, the way that like it sounds like you're talking about him is in that he hasn't won a Super Bowl in 20 years. I'm not implying that, but the NFL, football in general, is the biggest dividing line when it comes to guys in their age. 
And I think to assume that somebody is going to be just as good at 44 compared to 46 is a little aspirational. Well, that's not fair because in the NBA, they just take off for like, you know, a couple games. I didn't say the NBA, though. (laughs) (laughs) You said that the NFL has the largest dividing line amongst the sports. That's what. Yeah, because the guys that age, they age fast in the NFL. But Tom Brady also (sighs) said, you got to learn how to take a hit, kid. (laughs) All I'm saying is like, I mean, again, I didn't think it'd be that controversial, but I just think that clearly – in my opinion, the, the 49ers would be in a better position right now if they had Tom Brady at quarterback. They're the still NFC. in the NFC Championship. But that's my point, though, is that like... I How think would they be in a better position? Would they be at the stadium would, now? Because I think we're all talking about the Ravens as the as like the favorite to win the Super Bowl because of the fact that they have a quarterback that can elevate the team. But And we're talking about the 49ers that they are one Brock pretty shit game away from blowing it all. And I think if they had Tom Brady in a big game with that defense and those targets, I think i put them on a level playing field with the Ravens. And this is a good segue into... The NFC Conference Championships. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Because, okay, of the four quarterbacks left, Brock Brock Purdy's definitely number four. Like, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind, right? Yeah, we're all in accordance on. It's got to be Mahomes. It's got to be. It's got to be Patrick Mahomes. That guy. That guy hasn't done shit. Tom Tom Brady should be starting in Kansas City. (laughs) You see, there you go. I agree. See, see, that's the that's the argument you should have started with there, Tom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't start this. <laughs> I, I made a simple comment about the story that came out, and then I said that I think that Tom Brady would be a good fit for them. And this guy was like, forty-six years old," and it's like, "Okay, <laughs> so this will be the last episode of the second <laughs> podcast." It's a good content. What are you talking about? This is like fucking. This is like undisputed right now. What are you talking yeah. about? I'm fucking Skip Bayless. Just, I'm about to leave. This, this is award winning so podcast. Because Hugh brought up my football stats in high school, and now I need an apology. Yeah. God, Skip Bayless, man, what a fucking what a national treasure that guy is. You know, I before we get into the God. picks, I'm really gonna miss in the off season every Sunday or Monday night or Thursday night, uh, a 30 second video of skip Bayless going to his kitchen and fighting with his automatic trash can, throwing a Jersey in there over and over and over again. Poor Ernestine, man. She has to film that every single fucking time. He's like, get the fucking trash can ready. And she's like, what's worse, though? The one where he's throwing it in the throwing his jerseys and his hat in the trash can or the one that he has to like flex. And he's like, ooh. I, I love though, that like he does Ooh, this thing where he's the like fucking weirdest shit. Like that's like what you see if you're tied to a chair. Why is he always so out of breath too? He's like, <sighs> no. He's Ooh. he's got he's got like you know heavy Mr. Smithers energy. It's, it's just <laughs> I don't know, man. It is weird. It's it's oh god. All right, so NFC Championship, the line currently is 51 and a half, um, and the Lions are seven-point road dogs against the 49ers. Insane. Yeah. That's an insane number to me. Yeah. It is. It is weird. Um, 
I don't know. I, I This is tough. I mean, if we're talking about from a spread perspective, I think you take the Lions because I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything. But I don't know if I'm willing to say that they're going to beat the 49ers um, just because, like, it just seems like that defense is just way too good. I don't think the Lions can match them defensively. So, and I, I, I don't know, man. They are playing pretty fucking good right now. That I mean, they're firing on all cylinders, and I don't feel the same way about the 49ers. Granted, the one thing I will say is that if people are looking at past performances and the most recent performance that is probably in everybody's head is the game that it was pouring fucking rain on the 49ers. That was the best opportunity like that. Those conditions were the best opportunity for the Packers to play tough and have a good game against the Niners. So I think there is a little bit of delusion there that maybe this is a declined 49ers performance or that they're they're kind of cascading here at the end of the season um with that said though I don't know if all of their struggles go away I don't know if we have a healthy um Debo in this game I don't I just think they've maybe are, they're trying to play it smart by not saying he's out for this game you know they also have to think ahead that they'll want him to be 100% for the following week if he's able to right I haven't heard any further uh, reports about it you know i think he's just limited right now so you want you want them to waste time game planning for him right you know but um hmm. i i mean i think jared goff is just on one right now this is gonna be their first road playoff game i i feel but i feel like the fact that they were able to get over these two humps with these first two rounds for the detroit lions is so critical that even they have like that momentum and that confidence in themselves right now. And um, I, it, over overall, I think like the things we were worried about with the, the Lions in previous weeks, like that's not there, right? Like I haven't seen those questionable things that I was worried about from Dan Campbell. I mean, don't get me wrong. It could still happen, but you know, they're just in the right place. Like, the eye test here makes me think there's a part of me that wants to take them as, you know, favorites with the spread. <laughs> like, so you just take the money line? No, no. I would actually put them at like a point, point and a half as a favorite and let it ride. Plus 290 for the Lions. For the Lions so, money line. I think for me, like, the big thing with this one is there's a couple of things at play here. One of them is if Debo Samuel if Debo Samuel is not in this game, it's it's a very different game. Um, it, yeah. That offense is clearly different when he's in it. Like Ayuk is good, Juwan Johnson is good, um, Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle are obviously ballers, but for some reason they just play better when Debo is there. And the, the range of versatility that I think, yeah, right, the, right? the flexibility. Like, they tried to put you on and run that, like, that running play, and it just did not work. And that's a Debo special right there. Um, the other thing, too, is I feel like these defenses are kind of, at least from their fronts, they're kind of one in the same because 
On one side, you have Aiden Hutchinson. On the other side, you have Nick Bosa. And they're the ones that do all of their heavy lifting for their defensive lines. Like Chase Young, I don't remember him doing anything of significance in that Packers game. Like he was kind of there. And I, I watched him through that game. And there were instances where he wasn't even on the field, man. Like, I think if you're expecting Nick Bosa to be out there, like being able to cover everything and do everything up front, it's a long day for him. And that's not really the point as to why they brought in Chase Young. So, I, I, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you there, Tom. I, I, it pains me to say this, though. Because Detroit has had all their success at home. Like, mm-hmm. their, their two playoff games are at home. I don't think they get out of San Francisco with a win, though. I think going on the road is a little bit more complicated, especially in a game they have no experience playing in. I, I, I want to say this, though. I think Dan Campbell will get them ready to play. I think this is going to come down to a team that has like one has experience and the other one doesn't. I mean, fair. I mean, yeah, fair. But I think uh, as we were watching that game, there was also something to be said that there is the potential. And I know I just said, oh, the weather was a big factor in this, but there is always this looming factor of that the Niners are classic choke artists and they have a history of losing the big one right Kyle Kyle Shanahan's decision making in the playoffs is questionable questionable Questionable. sometimes maybe too reserved it's actually kind of a cool coaching matchup right yeah you have like the bite your kneecaps off guy on one corner and then the very cerebral we're going to play it this kind of way on the other Mm -hmm. um I will also see too. I don't know if anybody in San Francisco has been in any like coaching interviews or coaching candidates for anything. I am really curious what it's going to be like for Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn to be guys who have been interviewed to then have to turn around and prepare for this game. I don't think it's going to change anything, but I imagine there's a lot of pressure on them too to like be perfect. Yep. Which is really shitty on how the NFL does their coaching searches because this really fucks a lot of teams in the playoffs. I, I mean, it it's about speed for next year, right? You don't want to waste any time because the playoffs drag into mid mid February. By then, you know, you're you've lost a month in comparison to other teams. I mean, I guess, but I, I think it's not necessarily fair to those other teams that are actually in it. I agree. I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Q, did you did you say who you think you you said 49ers are your? Um. If one? I'm if I'm taking the money line, I'm probably picking the. I mean, if I'm picking the Niners, but like, I would say, I don't know if it's. I don't know if seven points. I don't. I don't think seven points. So I would say I'm going to take the Lions with the spread, but I still think the Niners win. Yeah, taking the dog on the spread seems to uh, pay off pretty well these days. Yep, I agree. Um, um, do we do we want to re have a reaction? Do you guys have a reaction to? 
the the pass game against the Bucks. Is there anything that sticks out to you in that game? Um, I don't think so. There was nothing really that stuck out to me that much. Um, went about as I expected. Um, yeah. Okay. What do you think? <laughs> no, because uh, it's just it's just honestly like I I just don't think I, I don't think I had the uh, the Bucks being able to stick with them. Uh, but I did, I did. I will say um, the one thing that I think does stick out from that game is. It was pretty controversial that uh, Todd Bowles decided to not use that last timeout. And honestly, like I, I, I hate to be that guy, but it feels like it is a fireable offense. You talk about to your team all year about fighting with every last second, and you have a chance to call a timeout. It would be you'd have no timeouts left after that, right? They have to kick a field goal. It's what forty-seven yards. Now imagine they miss it. You still have to go down the field, score a touchdown, and score a two points. So it's like obviously not likely that you're going to win. But like, how do you just give up? I get that point. The thing I would have thought was that that timeout probably should have been used prior, right? And that's the problem sure. with it. I think it. I agree in the sense that at that point in the game, it is quite pointless, right? That timeout's probably like if we look at analytics or statistics on this, right? It's going to say taking that timeout at that time probably doesn't end up getting you the game or any extra points or, you know, what have you, right? However, maybe if you had used that timeout before the two minute warning or, you know, prior to a certain point in the game, Maybe maybe it would be different, right? Yeah. So use of timeouts is always important. And unfortunately, I think it's also going to end up being a bad precedent because now coaches are going to be like, I should probably use this before this point just so I don't get scrutinized. <laughs> you know? Because like, I think he's actually right in the situation. It really wasn't going to make any difference for him. Like, you have to use it at the right moment. That's yeah. the key. Sure. Very true. Tom, how do you feel about timeouts? Are we talking about the one that wasn't taken during yep. the Buccaneers game? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of a missed opportunity. I tried to think about why they didn't do it, and I couldn't come up with any good reasons. Based on what he basically said was just that, like, the game was over. And mm-hmm. my thought process is that, like, sure, it definitely – doesn't like again i was saying to like you number one would need to call the timeout they need to hit a 47 yarder which is not impossible and if it does it's over indoors too indoors now imagine that he doesn't hit the 47 yarder you still have to go down the field you still have to score a touchdown you still have to score a a two point just to tie the game but like it still feels like why wouldn't you just try what does it matter Force the Lions into a tough situation. Why are you just letting them walk off the field and win? It just it, it, it's kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, it felt like it was like a very defeatist thing. Very much, yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot of things that were stacked against them in order to make that happen, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. A hundred percent. I mean, like... one could make the argument that. They were going to fire Todd Bowles this year if they didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, at least show that you're given a shit. 
and put an effort in. Yeah, that's where I was at. I was like, you know, just like, just fucking try. Like, what does it matter if you may call a timeout and force them to kick a field goal? Like, you have some kind of gentleman's agreement with fucking the Lions? Who gives a shit? It's like, this is what you've worked your entire year off for. But like, I mean, how many times have we seen weird shit happen in the end of a game where a guy just all of a sudden team just gets, catches fire, you know? Quite often. I, I do wonder, though, how much communication does happen between head coaches, you know, um, during a game. Because, you know, there was that whole thing with Arthur Smith where he got really pissed at Dennis Allen because his team decided to go for the uh, touchdown at the very end of that game, even though it was an absolute blowout anyhow. That, that was, yeah, that was an impossibility of winning. Like, I mean, you're yeah. not scoring three touchdowns in 20 but seconds. So. These are not alike situations. I'm just saying that. Goddamn playoff it, game. It, it, yeah, like the, the thing about it was that there was communication between them, like, can he go for it? You know, like that obviously had to get communicated between teams. And then it was relayed back the decision. Do not do this to me, which they did it. <laughs> uh, the complete unraveling of Arthur Smith was glorious in some ways. Yeah, that man is going to be He'll ne- working in some Never places. get over that. Not in a million years. <laughs> All right, so um, for the AFC championship. But uh, on to the other side. I, yeah. yeah. So it's three and a half. Uh, Chiefs are – so it's 44 and a half, so it's a lower scoring um, expectation. And three and a half point dogs, Kansas City Chiefs on the road. So a few things that I have saw that were kind of funny this, this week. One – Officiating crew uh, for that game has is the number one, uh, the number one friendliest to the road team. Yeah, I saw that. Um, other thing I saw was the curse of the Bills, which whichever team defeats the Bills in in the previous round tends to lose in the the successive round. Yeah, um. <laughs> they cancel each other out. <laughs> I, I, obviously, there's there's nothing to really take from either of these, but um, they were just kind of funny uh, thoughts here. I, I because I don't know if I necessarily count the Chiefs out if they're not at home. You know, it's the, the spread is just enough just to kind of piss me off. Three and a half. Why couldn't it just be a pick 'em? Be a three point favorite. Um, three and a half. <laughs> yeah, because it feels like it feels like it's going to end everything. Up- yeah, it feels like it's going to end up being a close game. I don't think there's going to be a blowout either. Um, so I think this has less likely chance of being a blowout than the other one. So I I will take. I'm going to be bold here. I'm going to take the Ravens three and a half. Um, I still think that I, I still think they win. I the spread's going to be weird. It's going to be tough to cover that, but I still think that they end up covering it. So I'm t- give me the Ravens three and a half. I mean. I am unders on the Chiefs, but I think that the best team will prevail, and that's still going to be the Ravens. Yeah. I think we're all agree the Ravens are the better team here. Um, Lamar is just Lamaring, and that team is looking fucking good. So, yeah, I would. Um, 
I really will want to see the Ravens win this game. I think that they're just a better team overall. They played better throughout the entire season. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah, I'm hoping that the way this game will go down is that it's just a continuation of the fourth quarter for the Ravens, where they just run the ball at will and just hang on to it and frustrate the Chiefs to the point where like. They just don't have enough time to establish a rhythm on offense. Mm. Although I, I will say, like, it also has a really good possibility of being an absolute shootout as well. I, it was actually pretty shocking to see how much of a 360 that receiving core had in, in the previous game, right? Yeah. Granted, I mean, the Bills secondary was completely shelled. Like, they were down all those injuries. And then, um, What's his face? Who was calling the plays? Um, for the Ravens? Because, uh, no, for the Bills. I'm I'm talking Bills Chiefs in that game. There, there, there's the Bills secondary was down four starters to start that game, and then I believe who's their middle linebacker that calls the plays? Matt Milano. He got hurt. Yeah, and they brought in um, somebody who they either brought up or just brought in. Um. And he had been with the team for a week, and he had to be—he was the one calling the the defensive plays. He was given the green helmet, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, which is odd to I think a lot of people because it's like, why wouldn't you give it to maybe somebody in your secondary or you know someone else? I guess at that point, but um, that uh, all of a sudden those guys grew hands overnight, <laughs> like. It was Marquez uh, candidate. Yeah. yeah, he he ended up – he had the game that I think people thought he would have all year, right? I guess. Was there, something, was there something different with the way Mahomes was throwing? Like, I don't understand. Did they need to be in, like, subarctic temperatures to, um, you know, to perform? Is that, like – are they just cold-blooded? Like, what's going on here? I don't understand – at all why they were just such a 360 from this like struggling chiefs offense weeks before right i think a lot of people were worried about that i think a lot of people also counted them out against the bills here a lot of the money was on the bills for sure a lot of people seemed like they wanted the bills to win i think i think this just happens when you win a lot you know people just get tired of it happened with the warriors very quickly it's a, um, streaks are meant to end. That's yeah. It, it gets to the point where you know people just get annoyed with seeing the same fucking people every single fucking year. It's like give me a little like the NFL, especially because it's usually so much parody. Um, I think people are just kind of getting sick of it. Yeah, the way that they've won too, where like they look like they're down and out, and then they just impose their will on people. And it's, I think the one thing that teams struggle with against the Chiefs is they just lose discipline on in all positions on defense and guys just end up getting open and like there's 15 feet around him in all directions and it's like how did you just leave that guy like that i think kelsey is the only one that truly should scare anybody all these other guys like richet rice is he's a rookie everyone else is a retread from somewhere else yeah Rashi Rice is arguably the only other person on that 
receiving core that has had somewhat decent of weeks. Everybody else yeah. has been absolutely abysmal. I mean, it also, you know, when you don't play young Joker, it seems like it's in your favor. <laughs> Throw him in the ocean, man. Young Joker. <laughs> okay, so we got both of the conference championships down. And we got our picks in. How are we feeling? You feeling good? You freaking out? Um, I mean, who? My question: What do you think are going to be the keys to victory for these teams? Right? Where do you see who's who's making the big play to win these games here? <clears throat> Is it going to be Lamar running in two more touchdowns this week? <laughs> I mean, I think Lamar has to get started better than he did last time because he was kind of a, off to a slow start in his last game, and he finally kind of came on. So definitely want to see him start better this year. Yeah, it was it was also another weather game, right? Like, yeah, there was some crazy swirling winds, and oh my god, okay, we have to stop. Well, that's a, a well. I was bit. gonna say, Gato, that's a big <laughs> question to ask two hours into a show. <laughs> <laughs> But the, the Bills, Tyler Bass, fucking blowing that field goal. I think that's why people get sick of the Chiefs, oh, is because of the fact that shit like that that ends up happening. So, did you guys see that video though? There's a graveyard like right outside of uh, the stadium. It's not a graveyard; it's a giant ditch in the ground. No, 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 no. There's an actual <laughs> graveyard. Um, on the the one side of the football field, it's like fenced in. It's old graves. <laughs> I did not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a curse. <laughs> I mean, the Bills Bills fans have gotten so desperate they were sacrificing people to the uh, pit that the new stadium is going to be built on. Right. Like that's that's what was going on prior to this. You know. That's wild. All right. Well, I think we could wrap up here. Um, <laughs> we're two hours in, guys. <laughs> like, come on. Whatever. I'm just getting started. Um, whiskey. Okay. So, <clears throat> games are on this weekend. Go fucking watch them. Um, do we want to wrap up here? Do we want to do any like assholes or picks, guys? I think we have one asshole. We've named him already. Well, I, I will just give a little nugget about Kayshawn Bout then, because uh, just to, I, I think he can be unanimous this week. Apparently, one week he bet big money on himself to uh, cover his spread, which was eighty-seven and a half, and score a touchdown. He got two catches for twenty yards. Couldn't even do that. What he bet money on himself? It's amazing. Yeah, that is. My man I, was busy in college. <laughs> but I, I think I was saying this earlier. I will say the number of bets that he made isn't completely shocking to me. Yeah, but you have to you have to factor in the price, Scotto. He was probably putting hundreds of dollars on each one. Now that is a different story, right? Because yeah. when we're talking about he he lost somewhere around it's one it's one thing like you and i we sprinkle like a dollar here two dollars here on on stuff to try and you know hit and then it's like you see this man 
just like probably like he was down 50 grand apparently like his mm-hmm. his total profit loss was like 50k so yeah my man wild. left for the draft so fast after that. yeah he was like <laughs> i'm fucking broke and it was funny because like i remember him coming out like he was they widely considered a lot of people were like he probably should stay another year <laughs> and yeah well like I, like I guess i see why he had he had fucking bills yeah yeah what a rough year for him not great barely barely played got two catches and he's just gotten arrested for an, an illegal gambling ring like jesus yeah, yeah, you but probably what, could have just hung out with the up? nil for another year and been fine but whatever yeah so what was the technical what was the reason that it was an illegal gambling ring he was underage he was underage yeah yeah which it's weird to me because like anywhere else where someone's underage and i mean they might get a ticket or a violation for drinking underage right but like ultimately don't they go after the sports book or wouldn't they go after the sports book for that one well, I imagine who, whoever was funding him too is gonna probably be in big trouble. So he had to have somebody funding him. Yeah, when you create a fake account, like there's only so much the sports book can do. Yeah, it's it's more of a glaring indictment into. Well, they like, do. I think they do ask for your license though, so like yeah. you have to like take a picture of your license to be able to create. Take a picture of a fake license. And that's well, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's probably easier to do that than anything, right? To to make a fake one to take an image of, especially yeah. these days. Um, I but I I mentioned this earlier. It was like I think there needs to be access control and a level of sophistication built into these systems to monitor and safeguard from players and other professionals in the industry from do you know from having having the opportunity to get be in these situations in the first place right because one it creates nice transparency that makes everyone feel better about making their bets you know yeah yeah we'll see i mean it's i i feel like this is pretty prominent i imagine there's probably more people out there that it's just not a glaring tragic story I will say separately, as like an asshole, we can know it's a football thing, but like Jalen Brunson was not named to the All Star team, by the way. Stupid. Crazy. For the season that this guy is having, the fact that he is not an All Star is, is in an, in an indictment of NBA betting. Uh, well, not betting, NBA, the way that they like actually deviate like who's an All Star and who's not. So. Yeah, it keeps him cheap. I mean, he signed a 26 points contract. a game. I mean, 26.6 points per game, six and a half assists, almost four rebounds. He's shooting 47, so 47.5% from the field, 42% from deep, 83% free throw shooter. I mean, net positive every single game. I, I, I don't know. What, what else do you have to do at this point to make the Win a championship? It's not I mean, Tyrese Halliburton is an all-star. He has never won a championship. Um, get people to buy more of your jersey. Actually, probably I mean, plenty of people buying his jersey. Yeah, try, try again, Gatto. I'm, I, I know, I'm like failing each one. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Knicks hater. Yeah. It's what, what, um, what, what guys on the Celtics are watching the protocol, the 
protocols of the elders of Zion this week. <laughs> Listen. Also, by the way, he he's number two in the NBA in uh, plus minus differential. So like he's a net positive on the court, whether it be he's scoring or whatever, he he's a net positive. So it's a it's an indictment of the NBA because I, I still know how that happens. Is it, is it me or is the NBA just getting a little um, out of hand these days? I well, I'm watching the Knicks game right now, and the score is 52 to 37, and this seems like it happens every fucking night. The National every, Association. It's just it's just all blowouts all day, and mm-hmm. it's just it's really a bad product. So, um, too many old dudes that probably need to hang it up. I I don't know. I mean, it just it just I I think there's also been a lot where coaches see essentially that their team is down, and instead of just playing their guys, they just pack it in, and and it's it's frustrating. So yeah, so Tyrese Halliburton and Damian Lillard gets named to an All Star over over Jalen Brunson. It's fucking disgusting. Is Damian Lillard even having a good season? I mean, the. Bucks just fired their fucking coach. So, I mean, they granted they are like 30 and eight, you know, but like 30 and 13. Yeah. But point um, stands. Yeah. I mean, Lillard, you know, I guess he's having a fine season, but like in context, I think like the fact that the Knicks are, are playing pretty well and, and Brunson is one of the main reasons, if not the main reason they're doing that, it's, uh, it's crazy. Who makes, who makes these decisions on who gets in? Is this a largely just a fan? Vote, yeah, yep, for the most part. He mm. could be named as a reserve, though. He so. will be, he will be, but it's like it's people, it's <laughs> people get obsessed with like names and they can't help themselves, so it's uh, it's silly. I feel like with the NBA, too, it's it's people are much more into following a specific player. Yeah, it's yeah. more. It's it's definitely name brand. Yeah, yeah. Like I used to be a big Celtics guy. Now I'm all about John ja Morant and the Grizzlies. <laughs> John Wick. John Wick. We'll see him next year, maybe. Yep that that was very unfortunate. Yeah. Like I might get back into basketball, and then that happened. I was like, never mind. I got <clears> over <throat> here. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, hockey's better anyhow. <laughs> It's a fucking guy. All right, folks. We're out of here. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Um, we will be back next week to break down the the championship games that happened this week. And hopefully there's going to be some coaching moves um one way or the other for Washington, the Seahawks, as, as well as some of the positional or the coordinator positions for the Giants, too. Do us a favor, like, and subscribe on social media platforms. Um, and you can find us on Spotify, all of the streaming ones as well. And tell your fucking loser friends, too. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, please let us know, um, you know, who who else um, Tom Brady can replace in Tom's life. And uh, we'll get him and Q bickering again. About Maybe it. he can replace Job ja Moran. Who knows? Yeah, let's. That's that's the next. We'll talk about that next episode, guys. <laughs> All right, folks, we're out of here. Bye. <laughs> okay, let's get me a rhythm.
then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! <laughs> Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>